Today we're going to um, take a moment and bypass um, our conversation around human sexuality. Heidi, my thing isn't connecting, so you may have to do the slides up there. Um, for a couple of reasons, it's, um, it's Family Sunday, and uh, we just wanted to just dialogue about something that maybe quite, isn't quite so intense, and at the same time, it's, it's Lent season. And what does it mean to be a part of Lent, and what is Lent all about? And uh, sometimes when we think of Lent, we think of, well, that's what the Catholics do or the Lutherans do. And, and so in the evangelical community, we don't pay a lot of attention to Lent at times, and, and yet um, it's something that we've tried to do the last couple of years. And we were going to have a Lent service on Wednesday night, but there was a little tsunami that rolled through, um, whether it was as bad as the weather people said it was going to be or not, um, we didn't have that service that night. But Lent is a term that comes from the Anglo-Saxon background that refers to the lengthening of the days in the springtime. How many just want to rejoice about the lengthening of days in the springtime? That should be enough reason for us to celebrate Lent right there, right? Um, but Lent has become, for the Big C Church, a time for us to prepare for Easter, a time for us to turn our eyes towards Easter, which is coming up. And it is similar to Advent, where Advent we are preparing for Christmas. Um, Lent is preparing for Easter. It's bringing our eyes and our focus on it on that time when we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lent is 40 days in length, and so you can go to your calendar and look at Easter and count back 40 days, and whatever that Wednesday is, that's generally when the Lent service starts. And 40 days is a number that is um, seen often in the Bible. I mean, we have Noah and 40 days and 40 nights it rained. We have Moses uh, in the wilderness for 40 years. The irony for me with Moses is, you know, he, he ran into the wilderness after he killed the Egyptian soldier and was a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness. And then what does he do? He goes and rescues Israel from the Egyptians and spends another 40 years in the wilderness. Tough gig, right? But we hear, again, Israel, 40 years in the wilderness. Um, the prophet Jonah went to Nineveh and spent 40 days um, warning Nineveh of the judgment of God coming. Ezekiel laid on his right side for 40 days to symbolize the Israel's sins. How would you like to do that? <laughs> okay, here, Israel, I'm going to show you your sins I'm just going to lay on my right side here for 40 days. Elijah went 40 days without food and water. And we know Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and spent 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted by the evil one. So 40 days generally represents a time of testing or trial, some kind of even probation, um, and it's a time when, in essence, God gets us to refocus on our relationship 
with Him because we, people, are easily distracted. It doesn't take us much to take our eyes off of God. And so every once in a while, God uh, brings things into our path to help us to get refocused. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, the time that Terry and I had in St. Cloud, and I always say it's, it's like a three and a half year time, and, and when I, I thought, oh, I wonder how many months that was. Oh, it was right around 40 months. It was the hardest 40 months of our life, and it was a time of testing and a time of trial for Terry and I. The wilderness is a part of this theme too, around 40, uh, the number 40, as I pointed out, the, Moses was in the wilderness, Israel in the wilderness, Jesus spent time in the wilderness, and the wilderness in the Hebrew, uh, as I've shared here before, the Hebrew word is midbar, which means wilderness and also can mean mouth, and it comes from the root Hebrew word debar, which means to speak, and so for Israel people, for Jewish people, when they read in the Old Testament and read about the wilderness, they're thinking in their mind that that's a place where God speaks. Because Israel, in the wilderness, 40 years, God spoke to them. Moses, in the wilderness. Just a constant picture of being in the wilderness and God speaking. The story that we see, the first place of the wilderness, is the story of Hagar, And I wanted to retell this story this morning just to help us prepare for this season of Lent. You see, Hagar is this Egyptian slave girl, and she is a part of Abram and Sarai's house. And um, the story goes like this. Abram is promised by God that he would be the father of a great nation, right? And that's great. Love it when God makes promises. But then something happened along the way. His wife Sarai never got pregnant. It's a little hard to be a father of a great nation if you're not having any kids. And then another problem happened. They got old. Also, Abram and Sarai are old. Sarai is beyond the age of childbearing. So the problem of God and His promise goes from, yeah, so nothing's happened, this is a difficult thing, to, okay, now it's impossible. Uh, Not sure why God made this promise. Not sure how this promise is going to happen. So Sarai did what most of us do, When we have a sense of God promising or wanting to fulfill something in our life and we don't see it happening, in fact, it seems impossible for even God to come through, Sarai does what we all do in those times. We make our own plans. We take it into our hands. We figure, if God can't do it, I can make it happen. And 
What happens when we take things into our own hand and try to make God's plan work on our own energy? When that hap- when we try to do that, uh, the same thing happened to Sarai and Abram. Everything went wrong. Trouble happens. Sarai decides to give Hagar, her Egyptian servant, to her husband. And remember, last week we talked about husband, or a couple weeks ago, Hebrew word ish. So Sarai gives her husband, her ish, Abram, Hagar to be his Isha or his wife. So do you see the problem right out of the gate? The problem right out of the gate is Abram and Sarai were one flesh and now there's another woman coming in to be one flesh with Abram at the same time. And that's problem enough. But then Hagar gets pregnant. That's what they wanted, right? Because if God can't fulfill His promise, at least we can fulfill God's promise through Hagar. Now, Hagar, the least of the least in that culture because she's a slave and she's a woman, she's now pregnant and she despises Sarai. Why? She's going... I've got something you don't. I can do something for your husband. You can't. All of a sudden, the person who is the least of the least now has something in her power. And so, what does she do? She despises Sarai. She makes comments. And so, what does Sarai do? She blames Abram, and then Abram says, she's your slave. Notice, he doesn't say, well, she's my Isha, my wife. So you see the disconnect there. He's able to wash his hands off and push it off to the side because she's your slave. And so Abram says, do whatever you think best. And so Sarai now mistreats Hagar. And so now we have this fight, this jealousy, this envy going on. And if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what is James, the book of James talked about Envy and jealousy, what does James say? It is earthly, it is demonic, it is the source of all bad things. And so bad stuff happens in this family. And um, Abram and Sarai are treating Hagar not well. And so Hagar, who didn't have a choice in this plan at all because she's a slave she finally has enough and so she flees to the wilderness she is done with her situation 
can you relate? Have you ever been in a situation that you're done with? I'm out of here. I, I can't handle this anymore. And so she flees to the wilderness, and in the wilderness, the angel of the Lord appears. And the angel of the Lord asks her this question. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Hagar knows the answer to the first part of that question. She's running away from the house of Abram and Sarai. She's running away from trouble, but she has no idea where she's going. She's just escaping. And this question represents a question that for Jewish people, when they think of the wilderness, they think of this question. The wilderness is that place where you know where you come from, but you don't know where you're going. The angel of the Lord responds to Sarai and tells her where to go. And the ironic thing is, where does he tell her to go? Go back to your mistress. Go back to Sarai. And this is hard because when, when we escape into the wilderness and we escape to a place where we are maybe going to meet the Lord, we want a way all the way out from our problem, right? And sometimes the Lord comes back to us and says, go back. Go back to that difficult situation. At the same time, the angel of the Lord gives her a promise. And the angel of the Lord says, you will have a son, and this son of yours will also be the father of a great nation. And so the angel of the Lord gives her direction on where to go and a promise for the future. And so when we go to the wilderness, the place where we don't know where we, or we know where we come from, but we're not sure where we are going, know this, that God will give you direction. It may not be the direction you want, and he will also give you a promise. And the crazy thing is, is that Hagar's response is that she gives God a name. She calls him the God who sees. Hagar, this Egyptian slave woman, gives God a name. El-Rohi, the God who sees. We see this in Genesis 16, 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. When we run into the wilderness, we may know where we come from. We don't want to know where we're going, but know this while you're in the wilderness and God is speaking to you, you know you are seen by God. God sees you. No matter what you're facing today, know this. God sees you. So, why 
Lent? Why do we take 40 days to focus on Easter? Why do we give up something? Again, there's nothing magical about Lent in itself. It's, it's a man-made season. It's not in the Bible, okay? But maybe we can see this Lent thing as a discipline or a practice to help us refocus on God. Maybe we can take these 40 days and figuratively walk into the wilderness where God speaks. You see, many of us have lost our way. Many of us know where we've come from, but we don't have really any idea where we're going. There's too many distractions in life. In fact, some of us may be just running away from things. We've, we've just got, we've got so much going on, we don't really know where we're going. Maybe we lost our way. Now here's, here's a little good news. We don't have to get to a place like Hagar where you feel like you have to run to the wilderness. We, we can figuratively walk into the wilderness, go into the wilderness figuratively where God speaks. You see, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for those 40 days. He, he wasn't running away from anything. He intentionally was brought there by the Spirit. Jesus often withdrew to, some tra- translations say lonely places, others say the wilderness. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Why did he go there? To hear his Father speak. To get direction. The disciples, individually and corporately, they figuratively went into the wilderness to see, to hear God speak. Often it tells of the church gathering together and praying, seeking the Holy Spirit. What, what's the direction? You see, one of the problems of the Western church is we're a lot like Abram and Sarai, meaning we may have a promise, we may have an idea of the direction, and we're all too ready to figure out how to make that happen. When maybe what we should be doing is individually and corporately going into the wilderness to listen to God speak. So Lent. You should have gotten a little sheet of paper that was handed out by you. If you didn't receive one, I know the uh, ushers can pass them out. It says, give up one, pick up one, pray for one. So traditionally, during let, you give up something like chocolate or sweets. And so I want you to take more than just the chocolate or sweet thing during this 40 days. And again, The focus of this is not to jump through some hoops, but to intentionally do something to help you refocus and figuratively go into the wilderness to hear the Holy Spirit or God speak to you. So I want you to give up something that might be distracting you or might be keeping you 
from taking time to be alone with God. What, what is that something that is distracting you? Give that up. One thing, just give it up. Pick up. Now, pick up something, maybe some kind of spiritual practice or discipline that you put into your life during these 40 days to help you again figuratively go into the wilderness to pray. So some examples. Maybe give up TV and pick up additional Bible reading time or studying or reading a book that helps you in your relationship with God. So give up TV. The, the number of hours that people spend watching TV or videos on their screens is just, each, each week is just crazy. Give that up. Pick up. Or another example, give up a meal, maybe lunch. And the time that you would use to prepare that lunch and eat that lunch, pick up prayer walking. Just walk around your office, walk around your home, whatever, and just pray. Pray. Just share your quest to God, listen to Him, pray. Again, your attention is focused on God. Maybe it's give up chocolate or give up a sweet, but then instead of having that chocolate or have that sweet, have like a number of memory verses on a little card in your pocket, and every time you have a craving for something sweet, pull it out, memorize, meditate on, and allow the sweetness of God's Word to fill your heart, soul, and mind. See what I did there? For me, I'm giving up social media during this 40 days. I have found that it has become a great distraction. So I've removed all social media from my phone. These 40 days, I'm done. What I'm picking up is reading. Um, And my focus is all around hearing God's voice hearing the Spirit, responding to the Holy Spirit, wondering what it means to earnestly desire the things of the Spirit. So I'm reading books regarding that. So instead of getting on my phone and start flashing through social media or watching the short little videos, social media gone, I am intentionally picking up a a book. So for you, what, what does God want you to do? Last thing, pray for one, just real quickly. As long as we're spending time with God, let's talk to God about a person. Who is one person in your life that needs Jesus? Pray for that person every day for the next 40 days. And part of your prayer, ask God to give you an opportunity to talk to that person about Jesus. One last thing, and then we'll wrap up. When you do this, you need to tell somebody. Because when we tell somebody, it helps on accountability. So if you have a family, maybe tonight when you're at home, you take some time, everybody fill it out, and then you share with each other what you're doing. Um, if you're a single person, find a friend 
and share this with them. Invite them in on this. But the important thing is you share this with somebody so that you hold each other accountable. Our focus is this. Jesus calls us friends, no longer servants. And as a friend, he has some stuff he wants to share with us. This is taking 40 days, giving up something and picking up something to nurture that friendship with Jesus. Okay? Again, nothing magical about Lent. If you don't do this, you don't, you don't do it. It's not, it's not it's no skin off my back. You, it's not a shame thing. It, it, the church elders aren't going to call you up and go, hey, how come you're not picking up and giving up? No, this is, just, this is about you and your friend Jesus and doing whatever you can do to nurture that relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that um, we can approach your throne with confidence. Thank you that you call us friend again. So I pray for each one of us as we give up something and pick up something during this next 40 days, I pray that um, our relationship with you would be strengthened. Because we, we're, we're just like Hagar. We know where we come from, but we don't know where we're going. And so we want to intentionally hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.